We worship you, Father, and we glorify you. It's all yours, Lord. We worship you. Well, I'm supposed to speak to you again out of my heart. I know I have a few scriptures probably, and then we've got something to, if, he, if we get to that, to show you. I'm so hungry for revival, I'm about to bust. And uh, I don't care what our services look like. And I, you're so valuable. Don't get me wrong on this statement. You, I'm, I wish there was a whole bunch more of you. But it doesn't even matter now. It used to. I used to get a big lip and you couldn't see it. But when you didn't show up, I'd pout a little bit inside of myself. But really now, because I know more and more, I hope by saying this, there's not an attack coming. <laughs> I'll get past it if there was. But that it doesn't really matter even the size of who, how many's here or not here. The certainty of us going back into the fullness of the kingdom of God. We call this thing revival. Well, it's not even in the Bible. Yes, it is. But what we're saying is we want a reviving back into the kingdom. Everything was the kingdom. I promise I'll, I'll put my hand on this Bible and put one hand to, to God. Maybe you shouldn't do that. I don't think you're supposed to. <laughs> Maybe in court you can. But I'd do it. I'd stop using the word revival. If you'd just go back or if I'd just go back into the fullness of the kingdom. That's all revival is. That's all he taught. That's all he taught was the kingdom. Except a man be born again, he shall not enter into the kingdom of God. And this gospel, Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be taught to all nations. And then shall the end come. <laughs> you make too much of uh, the power all about, it's all about the power. It's all about the power. You talk, no, no, no. Pastor, you're after, no, I'm after the kingdom. But the kingdom came in two parts. It came in doctrine, word, and then it came in power. If you run across somebody that says, oh, the New Testament's not about miracles. It's not about power. It's about doctrine. Tell them to shut up because they don't know what they're talking about. It's 26 books and the first five is nothing but power. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the book of Acts, it's just, just that. It's the Acts. It's not the doctrine. There is some doctrine in there. Now, the first four was doctrine and power. You can't read Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plain, and everything else that he taught. He was the epitome of doctrine. But you can't turn a page. You can't even turn a page in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where power didn't eke out. Miracles didn't eke out. So those first five books and then, then Acts was the Acts or the power of the apostles. It wasn't, it wasn't written to be the doctrine of the apostles. You can get doctrine out of it. But you can't read the story of a man walking down the street where a shadow just passed and thousands maybe were being healed that you can't get out of that absolute, absolute Didymus power that was flowing out of them. Paul, Acts 19, he went to Ephesus for two years, and for two years, they just, 
you know, we'll pray over these cloths and send them out. Didn't say they prayed over them, but that'll work. Just said that they were on his person and they took them from his body. I don't know what that means. Did he wear them? I don't know. But he, if I wore this handkerchief all week, could you take it? I, I love it. tickles me. It tickles me pink when people have all kind of doctrines about devils and how to get them out. You got to know this. You got to know that. You got to break this incantation. You got to. It says it went all through Asia Minor and they just took the cloths that went from his body and they just laid them on the diseased. And all kinds of diseases went out of people's and devils went out just because they laid the handkerchief or apron, handkerchief and apron that said that came from his body. Maybe I should just start wearing a whole bunch of cloths up here. <laughs> but it, that doesn't, doesn't matter what I do up here. It's my life elsewhere. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was just in the book of Acts. You got five books. Then you got 20 books. They're short. They're the doctrine. They're the epistles. They didn't talk so much about power. And you say, well, they don't, they're not about, it's not about revival. No, it's about the kingdom of God. Doctrine is so important to us. It's the, it's the joints and the bands and the sinew that hold us together and keep us from being idiots. <laughs> you get a lot of power without doctrine, you're an idiot. You're just crazy. I'm so hungry for him to take over these services and just do whatever he wants to, but don't ever think that I won't stand up here with an eagle's eye. If anybody comes in with some kind of craziness and tries to practice it, They'll know my authority in the Spirit. But doctrine is absolute. It's absolute. But what we're after is something that doctrine alone can't get us. It can't get us. We've, we're fat on doctrine, and we've got to have more because the doctrine is what keeps us together. It's what causes us to know if we didn't have the doctrine that we have up to this point through praying in tongues and meditation, if we didn't have that doctrine, we wouldn't even know we needed to go into the outpouring. We'd still be like every other church that we applaud for getting people saved, but we'd think that our programs were the things that God had called us to to build a bigger auditorium, an annex, gym night for the kids, and some kind of program to get people into the kingdom. And that's as far as we'd go, and God would... Bless that because he likes people to get born again. But it's our doctrine that's woke us up to this point to say, look, and I used the message last week, the matrix, at least we can see that we're in something that we've got to break out of. This part I haven't been able to shake and I'm not even going to try to shake. I might keep talking on it for a while, but Mark 11 23 and 24 we've individualized that and that's not wrong it's not wrong individualized it when we said whosoever he said whosoever shall say into this mountain be thou removed be thou cast in the sea shall not doubt in his heart but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith therefore i say unto you whatsoever things you desire when you pray believe you have them you shall receive them We've individualized and said, if that's an infirmity in your body, you can take that. That's a, that's a, that is a whatever in your life, whatever the mountain is in your life. And that is true, but that is subpar to the fullness of what he was after. What he was after, that's, that's individual mountains. 
Jesus was really what he would, the heart of what he was talking about was a universal, a corporate mountain. There was a mountain of doubt and unbelief that kept every church and every generation in a place hidden under a dome, a big dome, and they didn't even know it called unbelief. And they could not do his works because they were in a place of unbelief. And what, he's, what he was trying to get across to them, oh yeah, sure, you can do that to the fig tree, but beyond the fig tree, beyond the fig tree, you could, you could say to this mountain, what is this mountain? We've said it, well, it could, it could be your finances, it could be your health. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's, that's good. That wasn't, the, that wasn't really the mountain he was talking about. The mountain he was talking about was a mountain that locked every generation down in a place of subtle kind of unbelief, so subtle that the, the apostles looked at him and said, why couldn't we do it? And he told them, it's because of your unbelief. It's the mountain of unbelief. It's, what you've, it's the membrane that you've not broke through yet. Well, they broke through. A shadow would heal people. A handkerchief would cast out devils and get people. And those first five books was meant for power. They demonstrated power. They showed power and doctrine. You got 20 books. I don't know what Revelation means. <laughs> I know what the first three chapters mean. I don't know what the others mean. I like to read them because it's like reading Star Wars. But I don't know what they mean yet. You can kind of toss that one. Not, it's the word of God. You can keep it. Read it. I get more fun out of it than I get doctrine right now. But those 20 books in between, they're the skeletal structure of the church. That's the sinew that keeps us together so we don't become idiots. What is doctrine? It's, it is the teachings, the principles of the kingdom. Okay, he said read that one. When he says it, I'll just do it. I had it marked because I thought he might go to it, but just listen to this, what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 1, 5. He said, for our gospel came not unto you in word only. You, might, you, could, you could absolutely put doctrine in there because that's what he meant. It didn't come to you in doctrine only. You've got to have the doctrine. But here's, let me step up. I've got to step up to say this. No message that comes from this pulpit this year. Me, Homer, you can't, I, you're not getting less when you get Homer. You're getting every bit. Pastor Jim's coming in February. My God, teacher of teachers. If Gary could come, he can't come because he has to attend. You get teachers of teachers. But no one particular message at this point get this it's all going to be sinew it's all going to be skeletal it's going to be we need it we got to have it but at this point we're fat on doctrine good good doctrine good strong doctrine but no one message at this point is going to unlock that mystery that we're sitting in the service and say that's the piece of the puzzle we didn't have bam revival there's another side of it that if we're not doing it, it will not. We can have all the doctrine necessary. In fact, we've got, we've got enough doctrine already. But there's a part of it that has to break that membrane. It has to break it. We have to step through, I don't know what you call it, 
Somebody'll say you saw you saw a new Star Wars or a new Marvel. No, I haven't seen the new one. <laughs> but I know this. We've got to step through a portal and bring that back. Because the generation hadn't. You can be fat on doctrine. I'm, I'm convinced of this. You can be fat on doctrine and still not have this. You can be fat on the teachings of the new nature, how close you need to be following the new nature. I believe you can be squeaky clean. Dave said we gave up Coca-Cola and we still didn't have the power. You can be so clean. Forgive everybody. Forgive your dog, your cat. You can be squeaky clean and still not have the power. Why? Because a big part of this has a, has a lot to do majorly with that mountain called unbelief that a whole generation will live out their days they'll get squeaky clean they'll follow the new nature they'll get they'll wear long dresses take off all their makeup take off all their jewelry they'll do everything possible won't watch tv throw away their tvs make sure that they they're just squeaky clean and still not walk in power why because there's a dimension of this it's called the mountain of unbelief. And if you and I don't step past this place, we've got to have the doctrine. You understand that, right? We've got to have it. But at this point in time, I don't believe that we're waiting on a message to unlock that portal. It's not that. What is it? Mostly, it's the asking, seeking, and knocking. Mostly, it's the blueprint where he said, come away with me. Mostly, it's, and so a doctrine is keeping us in that place and saying, I, I'll, I'll keep my head together, I'll keep my principles together, but unless somebody, and it's not, see, I know I've got a lead. You're only going to get people to follow unless you lead. I know I've got a lead, but I know that it's, this is a, this is for all of us. If anybody wants to and can afford to give up enough of their life to stay before that portal of asking, seeking, and knocking, what's that? Continual ask, Lord, please, Lord, please. No, it's a place of intimacy. It's a place of fellowship. It's a place of fasting. Because something's got to be, something's got to come out of that place into this place that, de that destroys that mountain of unbelief. Me coming in here on a Sunday morning and giving you more doctrine, more doctrine, more doctrine, more doctrine. It's not going to snap it in and of itself. we got to have it. But it's a membrane. It's a, it's a place. So I didn't read all that, did I? I didn't even read what I asked you to go to. He said, our, our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power. And in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. So what is the kingdom? What is the kingdom? It's word and power. It's absolute principles, doctrines, teachings, understanding, and that's what Jesus, he was the personification of the kingdom of God because he 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 absolutely on every page you can turn every page and almost it ekes out power miracles blind but he, at the same time he taught he taught what was the mind of god the truths of god the wisdom of god everything that god was and this gospel of the kingdom what gospel 
king, the gospel of word and of power. When we keep screaming about, yelling about, nobody in here's, I'm not addressing an issue. By no means, I don't even have a thought of addressing an issue. We don't have an issue. I'm not trying to address one about the term of revival. When somebody says revival, revival, it's not in there. No, the kingdom of God is in there. And the kingdom of God is in doctrine and in power, meaning that everything that Jesus did, and then all of the apostles, all the apostles, all they did was they took what he said, Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Plain, every other subsequent teaching, and they built on it by the Holy Spirit. Many things I have to say unto you, but you can't bear them right now. But when he, the Holy Spirit, has come, he's going to teach you all things. In other words, he's going to say to you what I couldn't say to you right now, but I'm going to say through him. So when John wrote, when Paul wrote, when Peter wrote, when James wrote, they all wrote what Jesus couldn't say at the time when he was here because the church wasn't mature, because it wasn't born again. So they wrote all those skeletal things of doctrine. But at the same time, doctrine was not enough. And doctrine is not enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I didn't even intend on starting that way. That's why he's in charge. We have a we have a drama section to the church, a drama team of one. I don't even ask for it. I get it at times, and I love it. I'm going to have you watch something in a moment. Let me just set it up again by what I've been saying, what he's been saying. In fact, I'll tell you what, before we watch this, go to Luke chapter 11. Those of you at home, wherever you're at. <clears throat> I think Gary made some of this passage famous over the last year. We've all taught out of it. We worship you, Jesus. So look at verse 1, Luke 11. And it came to pass that as he, that's Jesus, were praying in a certain place, when he had ceased, one of the disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is in sinned or indebted to us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You understand that there's a whole lot in this prayer. This is a skeletal prayer that leads you into multiple places of understanding. And he said unto them, so he, he still, they ask him, teach us to pray. So he's teaching them to pray, subject matter prayer. But then he's going to teach them why you pray. And when we read this, 
parable, there are three actors in this. There are three men, people, persons in this. You've got to play one of those roles. I play one of those roles. And we all play the same role. We're all the same person. There's three actors in this, three people in this, and every one of us as church members, as body of Christ, serves as one of these people that Jesus is talking about here. Three people, three actors, and you're one of them. I'm one of them. We're all the same. Jesus said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. Midnight is significant. For a friend of mine is in his journey, is come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not give him because he is his friend, Yet because of his importunity, or that's his consistency, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, as a result of what I just said, and these three actors in this, by this understanding I say unto you, ask, and it shall ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So he's teaching them why you pray, because you get these results. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks fish, will he for the fish give him a serpent? If he asks an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Of course, he's saying that the last actor or the last person, the last of these three, was your heavenly Father. He was the one that was behind the door. And this, you do understand things. I know you understand. There's a comparisons and contrast. You learn that in school. How things, two things are alike. Then contrast is how two things are different. This is not a parable of comparison. It's a parable of contrast. He's saying that the man that has the bread behind the door, that is not like as is your father. If you could get a friend to give you by consistency, in other words, the contrast is how much more shall your heavenly Father with great desire and with great ease give the Holy Spirit, which is the bread, to him that asks. You're the middle person. I'm the middle person. I'm the one that goes to the one that has the bread, which is God. I know the actors. The one, the last one is God. He's got the bread, which is the Holy Spirit. Actually, there's four, the bread. The Holy Spirit plays the bread in this. The man behind the door is played by your heavenly Father, and you're the intermediate person. You're the intermediate or the intercession person that the person came to at midnight. The midnight was the crisis of their life. The midnight was, I'm blind, I'm poor, I'm sick, I'm without. I need somebody to bring to me or give to me 
the bread. So my part, your part, as a play actor in this, this drama, is that we go to the one who's willing, which is our Father, behind the door, and what do we do? We don't, this is not begging, this is a place of intimate consistency, standing there. It is claiming the promises. It is seeking God and speaking to the mountain. This is the mountain, the mountain of unbelief that keeps me from being able to take pure baked bread back to my friend that's waiting at my house. The, what has come, Jesus was basically saying to them, you ask, me to, you ask me to teach you to pray? This is what you pray. Why do I pray? Because I want to give. I'm giving bread, the bread of life that comes from my Father by which is the Holy Spirit to this generation. Therefore, that's why you see me go away and ask and seek and knock continually before my Father. I've broken, you might say it this way, I've broken the membrane. Jesus wasn't going saying, uh, now I'm not making fun of this. I've got several places, I've got several mountains I'm speaking to in my life, but they're not the mountain. My mountain is, has nothing to do, or the mountain that I'm preaching about has nothing to do with anything in my life personally. It has everything to do with me going to him at the midnight. See, a generation has come to me, a city has come to me, a region's come to me. I don't, they, they're not at my door. The Holy Spirit's come to me and said, I want you to receive an outpouring, a revival, the kingdom of God. I said I, I was sarcastic. I know I was sarcastic. I promise I'll never say revival again. But I meant it in this sense of the word. All we're saying about wanting revival is we want a continual reenactment of the kingdom of God. Blind see, lame walk, deaf hear, dumb speak, dead being raised. That's the kingdom of God. And we're saying we want a revival back into that. They don't know it. But a whole generation's come to us and said, we're sick, we're poor, we're inf uh, infirmed, and especially we're going to hell. The book of Acts was not a book of doctrine. It was a book of the acts of power. Thousands getting born again every service. Angels getting people out of jail left and right. Paul casting devils out that got him beat. Sending handkerchiefs all through Asia Minor, casting out devils. Then he wanted to put in the scruples, the scrupulous scruples of doctrine to hold the church together. So he wrote 20 other books and him with, joined with other apostles, wrote those. If your argument is, you can't find these in it. No, aren't you? There's something wrong with you? <laughs> Read the first five books. They're, they're the power books. They're the miracle books. But that's part of the kingdom. That's absolutely a major part. But the midnight, the player, the actor in this play, which is the person that's coming to us at midnight, is a whole generation. The best that I've been able to do at this point is take to anybody that comes in here and uh, I'll pray for you. Sometimes I'll get an, uh, an immediate result. That's really good. But that just tells me sometimes, that just tells me when I don't get an immediate result, there's a, there's a ceiling to my life. I'm ceilinged out. Well, what do I do to just keep 
look, keep searching the scriptures. Oh man, I'm going to keep searching the scriptures because the scripture is going to keep me going to that place of asking, seeking, and knocking with a hope. Because it's not a comparison, it's a contrast. I'm looking, the doubt and unbelief inside of me believes that my father is really, it really believes this. I don't know why it does. It's stubborn. It believes that he's withholding it from me. My mind, does, my mind says, with my mind, I'm saying, no, he's not withholding. But my, my, there is a part of me, my flesh. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know. There is a part of me. Like the disciples had a subtlety inside of them. There is a subtlety inside of me that, <laughs> let's say this, doctrine up to this point hasn't, it hasn't pulled that out yet. I'm going to keep studying. But the asking, seeking, and knocking, which is as he described in the blueprint prophecies, come away with me. I believe with all my heart, unless somebody, and I know I got to lead, I know I got to lead, and you got to lead as elders, but unless somebody stays long enough in front of him where this portal's at and steps in there and pulls this out, listen, (laughs) we're all like, and you watching, you're all like adventurers, you're all like explorers. If there'd have been, if we were back in the pioneer days, I think some of you'd have been explorers. But America's already been discovered. Lewis and Clark's already crossed this continent. This continent, Stanley and Livingston have already, they were commissioned by, you know, the Queen, Discover Africa. They did that centuries ago. The world, there's no more discoveries in that sense. There's discoveries to be made in science. Neil Armstrong's already walked on the moon. We can't do that. Um, Alan Shepard's already orbited the earth back in uh, 1961. What's our pioneer? What's, our, what are, what's, what's, a, what's, a, what's a world that hasn't been discovered yet? What's a sphere? What's an absolute that nobody's got into yet? It's the power. It's that portal of power where people come back and don't just teach on it. They actually demonstrate it. And we're a bunch, at least, here's where I applaud all of you. Every single man, woman sitting in here, I applaud you for this. You're in this house, you're listening to this, and at least we've got enough sense to know that we're not there. And we've got, we've got to know this, that he's absolutely just so pleased with us for seeking something that nobody else has. As of yet. But us and a bunch more will. Because I know this, if that... If we can stay in that place of asking, seeking, and knocking, we can come out just like him. And then the final player, the, the last player in this whole play is everybody that's, you know, here's where my injustices have been in the past. I've said, oh, oh, you've come to me at midnight. I'll pray for you. Oh, now I'm being a little sarcastic towards myself. Don't get under condemnation. That's the other thing. Somebody said, you don't get me under condemnation. Listen. This is a self, if you will go to intimacy, you get his applause so much. 
people that don't, people that are standing about halfway and hear this message, they say, you condemn me by talking about too much about prayer and your prayer time and how many hours you spend. I can tell right then, I don't hardly say anything to them, but I'd say, you're not, you're not spending enough time because me talking about a lot of prayer time wouldn't intimidate you. It wouldn't condemn you. Because when you're in there with him, however long he's asking you to be there, whether it's that's an hour, a day, 30 minutes, whatever time he's asked you to, you get not only, uh, you get an affirmation, a squeeze, a hug. It makes you feel good. And it makes you feel like I want to be hard on myself in a good way to stay in there. When you're about halfway in and you're not, then anybody that does talk about a lot of time in prayer, oh, they condemn me. I don't want to hear that. You're, on, you're putting it in works. No, 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 no. Do what, do what he says. But somebody's got to, for God's sake, Lewis and Clark, with, there's, no more, there's no more worlds to be discovered. There's one world that he's asking the church, the ones that are close enough to hear. Most of the church is just wrapped up in, in programs. <laughs> and they're still basically in a matrix, so they don't, even, they don't even know that there's someplace they need to go. And so kind of, you know, ignorance is bliss. That's kind of, really. And I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I thank God for the church down the street, the next church down the street. But ig- ignorance is bliss. If you don't need to know, if you don't know that you're, there's a place that you're, you should be at, as long as you don't know it, usually it doesn't bother you. As long as you believe that, We've got a big building fund, and we're going to break ground next month on a building that's going to house a bunch of people that are sick and poor, and they'll die that way, and nobody will ever do anything about it. Or they're wrapped up in their flesh, and you can't get them off of porno, and you can't get them off of fornication, and you can't get them off of, because you're not teaching the power of the kingdom. But Paul said this, Thessalonians, and he said to this all, everywhere he went, really, I know. I'm coming to you in word. And in power. So here's where I said I was a little sarcastic about myself. I've preached. I said, okay, oh, pray for you. Let's get you in a prayer line. Pray for you. Can't get you. Okay, let me send you home. Well, this is next best. Let me send you home with a recipe. So I'd go to the recipe and I'd say, Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, if you whatsoever you say, if you believe that you, if you believe it, you'll have it. And that's a good recipe. The only thing is, that's not the mountain he was talking about. But it'll work for you. But the mountain he was talking about, I can't get it over to you enough, is a universal mountain. It applies to everybody. It's the church mountain of unbelief. The just ceilings. What are we fighting for? We're fighting for a reenactment of the kingdom of God. An absolute of the kingdom of God. So that when we pray, all things are possible to him that believe. So I said this a few weeks ago, and this is where I said I can't get off of. For the best part, when I, when, I translate, when I translate Mark over into Luke, when I take Mark 11 and take it into Luke 11 and say, okay, you've come to me, I went to him, I'm the middle man. I'm the middle man. You came to me midnight, I go to him at midnight. I say, there got, there's somebody back at the house or at the church 
or in my life or a whole generation of people have come to me, I'm asking you, he's got all this bread. And the Holy Spirit plays the part of bread. Here, take it. Take it. Because I'm supposed to go back to him and deliver what? The Holy Ghost. Now, the Holy Ghost is not a partially baked piece of bread. And for me to just say, look, now I'm going to give them this. I'm going to, give, I'm going to keep telling people until I can get them healed. You speak to your mountain. Because I've got a lot of stuff healed in my life by speaking to my mountain. But I've, I, I would, I'd play the part of a fool. This would be, I'd, I'd act the part of a fool if I just turned and said, that's my part. I've delivered the bread. No, it's not. My part is to go to him and come back with fully baked bread. Because I found this. I looked. I, I wanted to make sure. I wanted to make sure I couldn't find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John that any place that he ever prayed for anybody or performed a miracle or the, the feeding of the five, the feeding of the four. And, you know, those were miracle services, too. It talks about the miracles that took place. He never taught them. Anybody that didn't get healed today, let me tell you another powerful doctrinal principle. Take this word, go back into the Psalms, start speaking the word. No, they, those, that, that bunch of people had come to him at midnight. He went, he'd already gone to the Father by asking, seeking, and he'd destroy, he was daily destroying the mountain of unbelief. So he didn't bring to them a recipe. To say, hey, look, take what I've given you, go to the Father, and He'll give it to you. Will that work? Yeah, but you've blown, you blown your job description. Your job description as the middleman was to go get fully baked bread, come back and say, here it is, it's fully baked. Eat it now, it'll perform its work now. There's part of me that believes I don't like this part. I don't like this part, but he's still loving on me enough that I don't get down on too, too far on myself. There's a part of me that believes that Luke 11, about Luke 11, is that that's a comparison. That the man behind the door, which is my father, is still like real stingy about what he gives. I believe, I believe with all my heart, I believe this with all my heart that there's still doctrine to be we got to keep praying the mysteries and we got to keep uh cleaning up whatever parts of our life need to be cleaned up that's important forgiving when necessary that's important but what do you believe that's keeping most of this back the biggest thickness of this membrane is not based on a necessary change in character as much as it is an absolute destruction of the unbelief. The unbelief that's still inside of me that says, that's my father's stingy about this. Well, I don't, I don't agree with you. Well, bless your darling heart. I'm further, I'm, I'm not bragging, I'm further along than Peter was. When he, was getting, when he was getting all those things like shadow heels, that, all that stuff, he still had some major strongholds about 
the Gentiles. Major Gentiles. I'm further along than that. And I'm not condemning him. He didn't get rid of that for years to come. He finally dawns on him at Cornelius. Oh, my God. I perceive. <laughs> well, you didn't perceive when you were getting, you know, all those Gentiles healed. The asking, seeking, and knocking is a place of intimacy. Can you, can you, I, I know if anybody can, should do it, I've got to do it because this is my life. But I'm asking for you that are watching and those who are in here, whatever you can sacrifice, time-wise, after you get, when you work, when you clean, when you do what mommies do and daddies do, if you can go in, I'm not, this is an example that's just coming to me now. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just saying the other day, it was last week or a few days ago, and this has happened a bunch at different times. I'd already got my time in, my hours in, in the morning of prayer and word. And I was just doing stuff in the afternoon. And awareness came on me like, this membrane still, you know, it's still here. It's still, it's, it's just there. The iron curtain over a mockley or over this region is still there. So I just said, okay, I don't know how much, I don't know how much one more hour will apply to helping this come down. But I said, you know what? I don't have anything for the next hour. So I told Candy, I'm going in the room. I'll be out in about it. I just went in there, spoke the word, prayed in tongues and worshiped. I said, Lord, I'm not trying to be dramatic here. I don't know how much this hour will be applied towards breaking that shell, that membrane. But I'm asking you to apply this in my life against the unbelief to destroy that place. Because I do know this. <laughs> One of us, or a bunch of us, is going to step through that portal. And when we come back, we're going to bring stuff with us. Jesus stepped through that portal every day through his asking, seeking, and knocking. And when he came, he did not say, uh, he just healed them all. Well, he taught on speaking to the mountain. I know it was the mountain of unbelief that sealed everybody's life. Now, if you get that mountain of unbelief, then your backache will leave and your sickness will leave and all, everything will leave. But what we're after more than anything is not the individual mountain. It's the mountain called Revival. It's the mountain of unbelief that says we really believe that we believe. <laughs> and I can't tell you how much that I know that doctrine is an absolute part of it. But at this point in time, we could learn a whole lot more doctrine and still not get it. Some of you and some of us have got to pay the price of fasting and prayer, and seeking Him to a place where that portal is opened up and you step over into that place and all of what He is becomes a reality and you as the middle player in all this, the intercessor, the middle player, you step over into it. You come back. I don't know, these are faceless. This, this last player in the, this, this uh, play of this parable I don't see these, I don't know who these faces are. They're a bunch of people. They're people to come in. But what am I going to do? Give them a quick lesson and 
Mark 11, 23 and 24. No, 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 no. No, I'm going to follow my prototype. I'm going to follow my prototype. I'm going to give them the fully baked bread of life. I want it so bad that it's hurting on the inside, but it's a good hurt. Don't try to take this off of me. I like it. <laughs> I like it. And I believe that you're, I believe that many of you are with me. And I believe many of you are with me. I'm not preaching to a, like people that I'm trying to convince that I don't believe. I believe. But I'm asking you, maybe you're, maybe you're one of the ones. Maybe, maybe you're a Lewis and Clark. Maybe you're a Stanley or a Livingston or an Alan Shepard or a Neil Armstrong. Maybe you make, because right now it's a wide open field. <laughs> well, I know an evangelist that's getting them, maybe more than us. Maybe there's some people getting them healed more than us. But we're after something we're after a portal that brings back stuff that's just unreal. And that's our assignment. And that's what he... See, I've already read the first five books of the Bible too many times. Dozens and maybe hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. And I see the power in every page. I've read those other 20 books hundreds of times. Pastor, are you familiar with them? Would you say hundreds of times is, makes you familiar? Hundreds, hundreds, 30, 40 years of just reading it every day, every day, every day, every day. But if we don't have, if we don't have the power, then all of our doctrine is wasted. It's wasted on just knowing something. Knowledge alone won't take us there. It has to be knowledge plus power. It has to be us stepping through that portal, that place, and saying, Lord, and I believe. Now, this is the other thing that's really <laughs> strange to me. I believe that, that he's looking at it and saying, just like when we're looking at a little kid, if I told Silas, bring Papa this, he's like struggling. I saw his daddy tell him just with an exercise, bring daddy the, the diaper bag the other day. He tried for a while. It was too hard for him. What it was carrying, he's trying to, he couldn't, he couldn't. Finally, he gave up and just turned around and walked off like, I'm not trying anymore. I thought it was so cute. Our father, I really, the, the final player in this act, he, he really believes that this is really easy. He believes that, this, and I believe this, once we step into that place and bring it back, like Gary said that the Holy Spirit says, once you start ministering in this and the miracles start flowing, you'll actually laugh because you thought it was so hard. But I'm not, right now, I think it's, you know, excuse me, Lord. Sorry to say this. There's a part of me that says this is hard. But I, what are you going to do? I'm going to keep reading the word hours a day. Yeah different times but I'm, I'll tell you this there's a sitting at that door of the Lamb's room of fellowship that only he reading the word umpty 11 million hours is not going to get me only presence and intimacy I've seen it I've seen it a few times that room of fellowship and that's that portal I'm talking I've seen it and I've seen it in intimacy. 
Now, when I go in there and come back out of it, I've got enough word in me, and I'm going to keep reading the word that I'm not going to become an idiot. You say, that's a hard word. Yeah, but it, uh, it identifies what I'm talking about. People get real stupid if they don't have the word. They get real crazy. We're going to read not today because we don't have the time. I want to see this from my drama crew. <laughs> there was a prophecy that came from Gary about a month ago and then another fellow in the church, Hans Zanstra. And I, I promised to God that I had no intention on being a third part in this prophecy but every one of those prophecies said there's something coming that's going to look so close to what we've got that many are going to be willing to trade off what we've got and the holy spirit has uh, prophesied now three times and one of them was that long prophecy a few weeks ago and we're gonna we'll probably go over it next sunday I think, if he says. But in there, there's a warning that there's something coming. And I hope to God, and I believe I'm going to be able to keep all the elders and all the people that are really tied into this. But the Lord also said there'll be people that won't be here. It's going to be close. And also, uh, one part of it said, now I didn't say this part, that was part in another one, but said, this is going to look like a blessing, a real blessing. If you'll get involved in this, it'll be a blessing to people. So there's a warning. I don't know what this warning is about. We'll discover it. We'll, we'll read through it next week, see what the Holy Spirit says. I'm just telling you, stay on your tippy toes. Just keep, do, do I need to do anything different? No, just keep praying and keep being what you've been being and ask God for an increase in this next year. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, man, so hallelujah. I glorify you, Lord. There's a presence in here. There's a presence. Do you have that? Can you show that? Okay, this comes from the drama uh, program. We have a program. Okay, do you want Mike to get the lights here? Yeah. Maybe those lights up there, too. Could you get those, Renee? Yeah. So having just talked to you about the bread and uh, you'll see. Okay, let's see what this guy has to say. Come on, come on. We got fresh cooked healing bread. Take one bite and your body's completely healed 100% every time. Come on, come on. Huh? My back's been killing me for days, bro. I, I'll take some of that bread. Absolutely, come take a seat. Come take a seat. There's plenty of room. We got plenty of bread. Sweet. Just a seat here. Well, we got menus. What can I start you off with? Oh, I don't need a menu. I'll just take the, the healing bread. Oh, absolutely, sir. That's our best seller. I would imagine, I would imagine. Just so happens I got a fresh batch right here. Sweet. Awesome. What's wrong? Um. Uh. 
What, 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 um, what is this? That's the bread! That's the bread I was telling, the healing bread! I, come on, come on, just dig in! Uh, oh, I, oh, I mean, I, who am I to question it? I mean, I, it, I mean, it's healing bread, I guess. It's just, it seems like it's just flour. <coughs> oh, well, I mean, where? You're not supposed to eat it yet. You're supposed to, well, I mean, you're not supposed to eat it yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not totally fully cooked yet. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, you're losing me because you, you, you've been saying it for like an hour out there screaming in the street saying that you had fully cooked healing bread, but it, um, but you're saying, but what is it? I don't understand. I'm confused. Well, yeah, you gotta, well, take this. This is the, uh, the recipe and you take that, you go home and then you, uh, you mix it together, follow the recipe perfectly. Don't look up any recipes online. You know what I'm saying? Just follow that perfectly. And you know, in six months, sometimes it takes like two, maybe three years. Um, you, you'd have fully cooked bread. You know what I'm saying? See, but I was under the impression that, that we, that you, because you said it a hundred times, you, I was, that's why I was under the impression that you had fully cooked bread here that healed me. And quite honestly, I, I mean, after taking that little bite, I actually feel a lot worse because now I, I feel actually kind of sad because <clears throat> it seems like it's not working on me and a lot of things don't work on me. And I've tried a lot of different things with a lot of different people and they always never work. So I'm <clears throat> a little, I'm a little upset. You know what I'm saying? No, don't. Well, don't get upset. It's just you know. You, I I mean I. You just got. You just got to. You just got to make it. You know what I'm saying? You just got to go home, follow the recipe. It'll take years, maybe. Well, you know, you never know. It might take not years. I don't know. I mean, it's taken me. It hasn't. I haven't been able to make any yet. But you know what I'm saying? I. You know, just you know. It's just you got to cook it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, wouldn't you think that it'd be better if maybe you cooked the bread first? You know, figured out how to cook it cooked it then announced to the world that you had fully cooked bread i mean i think that'd be better because all the false advertising um it's really really starting to beat me up because i'm really sad because it's made me feel a lot worse taking that one bite because now it seems like nothing's gonna work because i've tried many things with many different people and nothing ever works and i'm really getting upset because just one thing after the other. And I was really excited when you said there was healing bread because that sounded pretty good. It sounded cool. So I think I'm just gonna go. I'll take the I'll take the recipe book, but um <clears throat> I'm just gonna go. Well, I mean, hey, sorry to see you go, man. I'm sorry. Well, well, hey, come on, come all healing bread, fresh cooked healing bread right here. Come on, come all everybody. Man, I thought that was awesome. That's just perfect. I didn't ask him to produce that. I, he, he did that a few weeks ago. And I thought, oh my God, that's just so good. <laughs> Hello? Is it? Yeah, I think so. Well, thank God for the recipe. The recipe I know has come to me by doctrine and praying in tongues. But now I've got to take the recipe and turn it into fully cooked bread. Amen. That's what we, you know, that's, uh, that's what will be five years from now, 10 years from now, 15. Hey, look, 
Um, I don't know what my, I've never tested it. I think it's probably pretty good. I don't know. Some would debate. I was going to say my IQ score. It'd probably be pretty good. But I believe I'm smart enough to get a bunch of people to buy some property, get a bigger facility, and put in some really good programs and have a five, 600-person church uh, that especially with the communities coming out here, maybe we could get a thousand eventually and feel like we had done something with enough programs. You got to stop all this. I can't let Homer preach anymore about dying to the flesh, you know, the born again spirit. I can't do that. He, oh, well, he can, but he can't talk like he's been talking or me like I've been talking. We have to cool that down a little bit. We get a lot, we get a lot of people and we could get, we can make you happy. We're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to put a snack bar in the back and we're going to have uh, donuts where you can have donuts. And the services will not last more than an hour and they will be extremely, you'll feel, you will not feel condemnation when you leave here, but you'll feel very happy. So I'm ready to join that church right now. <laughs> um, if you do slip, if you do slip and uh, drink more than you should on a Friday night or Saturday night. And if you do watch uh, some R-rated movies where, you know, there's a bunch of uh, naughtiness going on, um, you won't feel like a dog-eating, you know. <laughs> you just kind of feel like that's kind of what Christians do. But you know what? Honest to God, and the, the Holy Spirit can judge me now. I just really rather, I really would, and I just put myself, I'd really rather die. Honest to God, I would rather die than lead you down that road. Or for my own self, not to go there. If we haven't done it, if I'm still looking at the same faces 20 years from now, I don't believe I will as far as us not making any more progress, as far as getting that bread but every day of my life, in essence, is sold on going in and finding there is a, there is a land. Africa's been discovered. The moon has already been walked on. Um, Elon Musk is trying to get us to Mars. I don't think any of us will ever live on Mars. But there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a land. There's a, call it a land. It's a, it's a dimension. There's another dimension called the healing bread. It's called absolute miracles. And I'm just going to spend the, the rest of my life doing my best to get step in there. And I don't care if there's, after 20 years, I don't care if there's five or ten of us left in here or 15. I believe there'll be more. But I'm telling you, my life and your life has to be sold on this coming year. We've got to see how much we can apply towards that membrane of unbelief. Oh, Pastor, I'm going to seek God for a healing in my body. Please do. We want you healthy. I think you pray better when you're feeling good. But I'm telling you, there's something... There's a land that has never been, hasn't been seen in 2,000 years. It's called the land 
of the destruction of unbelief, the mountain of unbelief that we bring back and we see these babies healed and people's lives healed. And I don't care how much money I make. I don't care how much what my, my living is. I mean, I want to be blessed. And I'm going to give a word. This is a word of just pastoral instruction. There's people that may be listening and maybe people in here. Maybe God has put his hand on you to make some money for the kingdom. And that's great. But for God's sake, for God's sake, don't do it at the expense of stepping into this portal. A lot of times people and the flesh will give you the flesh. Oh, my God. The flesh will tell you, I'm spending all this time in investing or this, that, and the other because I want to make money for the kingdom. And it'll nickel and dime you right out of your prayer life. And it'll put your attention on making money. We're a bunch of revivalists in here. Money's going to come to us because we're going we're to have all the money we need to make this because we're, we're on a pure route. But for God's sake, any of you that think that you're supposed to make money, for God's sake, don't let that devil and the flesh convince you that you need to spend all this time, all this time, all this time, because you're just going to eventually trade it over for the... I'm asking you, what I want from you, I appreciate your gift. You guys have been good to give. Wonderful. Thank you. We needed it. We helped. It's helped us during this, this last year. But I'm asking you, please, please help me get, go through this portal. Help me go through this membrane. The earth hasn't seen it. I believe it exists. Giving a million dollars won't, won't get us through that. Programs won't get, it, get us through that. It's going to take fasting. It's going to take prayer. Keep reading your word. But it's going to have to be sitting at the feet of Jesus at that portal, worshiping, praying in tongues. And I believe some of us and several of you are going to slip into it and you, don't even know, you, you won't even really know when you did it or how you did it. And we're going to come back with stuff. We're going to come back with stuff. I mean real stuff. Earth-changing stuff. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. I appreciate you listening. I, I know that I spoke real seriously at times. I didn't even, I don't, all I just came over here to say, Lord, speak. Jesus, we love you. Would you just lift your hands and just magnify the Lord just a little bit with me? Father, we praise you. We love you, Lord. You've called us as a bunch. You've called us as a bunch. Yeah, thanks, uh, Robert. Thanks for coming. You've called us as a bunch to just... We're a bunch of weirdos, God, to, to some people. People don't understand us because we're seeking something that is just, I mean, I'd probably call me a weirdo too if I didn't know what I was after. I'm asking you, Father, for this bread. I'm asking you for this bread. I'm asking you for the place that I've never been to before. 
and that we've never been to. I'm not the only one. I believe that there are men and women in here that have jobs and have their mothers, their fathers. They're going to step through that portal in this next year. They're going to step into a place where there is an absolute, an absolute Father in Jesus' name. Show us this place. Show us this place. I'm not begging like you're not willing. I'm saying, Lord, the earnestness of our heart is to show us. I'm the middleman in this. We're the middleman. Give us the Holy Ghost. He's the bread. Destroy this membrane of unbelief and doubt. We love you, Jesus. Love you, Jesus. Robert, would you lead us in a song before the Lord before we leave here today? Hallelujah. We stand in all of you, Lord. Lord, you wouldn't be talking to us like this if we couldn't bear it. So, Lord, we say we receive it. And, Lord, we just pray that our contemplations of our heart this evening as we're home, we're just sitting around and relaxing and all through the week, that, Lord, you'll keep coming. Lord, let men and women in this house and people that are watching realize that they really are adventurers they really are discoverers they really are that they can lord if they think that if they think that i'm their limit they, that they couldn't go any further than me convince them otherwise lord let us all see ourselves in a place of discovering that place of impossibilities that, Lord, that we can go there where impossibilities are not our ceiling. And that every woman in this place and watching every man in this place and those watching really believe that you're commissioning them to go and step through this portal, through intimacy, through fellowship. 
the strength of the doctrine that we've received up to this point has brought us to this place to encourage us to stay. Father, we love you. We love you. We commit ourselves to you and we commit ourselves to the Holy Ghost. Lord, we thank you that we'll make it past. I'm not really even sure what subtle attacks may be coming in, in this next year. I don't, I don't believe they'll look like an attack. I believe there's no need to even really fear for those who might fear saying an attack. I don't want to. The problem with the attack that you're describing is it won't look like an attack. It may look like a blessing or it may look like some other form of doctrine that we've not heard before that's really going to be an easy peasy. But you keep telling us there is no easy peasy. There is no easy button to push. It is continual prayer, fasting, intimacy, meditation of your word. And if we'll stay in that place, we won't lose out. I want to be here for the end of this thing. I want to be here when we close the chapter on this and you come. Father, I praise you. I bless you. I bless them and I bless everybody watching. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Be filled with peace, prosperity, both in body and soul and spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.